and welcome to the Creative Constitution podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Rodrigo Baduino, and he is an awesome filmmaker. Um, and today's episode is going to be so interesting. Hello, Rodrigo. Hello, Deborah. How are you going? Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm super pumped. Well, today's episode is all about creating opportunities for yourself as a filmmaker. So Rodrigo has got an awesome uh, experience where he's created 20 films in a row, one a week, short film marathon. And that is just super impressive, especially when you know how long it takes to create the film, shoot the film, edit. Oh, gosh, it just goes on. <laughs> it's wild. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy time. I don't know how you did it, but first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself, Rodrigo. Where did it all begin? Um, okay, so I started making films. I, I finished school, and I was like, oh, I really want to be an actor, right? Classic. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to go to uni. I don't want to do the things. I want to act. And then I, I auditioned for film schools, uh, to acting schools. Didn't get into any of them. Uh, <laughs> and so then my, my parents were kind of like, well, you got to do something. You can't just do nothing, you know, um, loitering at home. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go to film school. And then from film school, I'll, you know, transition into acting. And then once I stepped into my first film school, I fell in love with, you know, being behind the camera instead of in front of it and directing specifically. And it all kind of kickstarted from there. Um, and that was back in 2013. I started making music videos here in Perth. Um, build a bit of a reputation making those here. And then I was like, I felt a bit stunted by Perth. I was like, it's just the community's not as big. And I, I, I wanted to try and go to somewhere where I could have the, the most opportunity. And that's when I went to Sydney uh, and I studied film school again. I went to a second film school again uh, in Sydney because I thought it'd be a great place to meet like-minded people, even though the first semester was very similar to everything I'd just done in Perth. Um, and then from there, just kind of started working you know, I started chipping away, editing jobs, directing jobs, um, and it got all the way to the point now where, you know, got to work on an Ed Sheeran music video, which was amazing. Yeah, um, that's but yeah, so it was, cool. <laughs> which is phenomenal, <laughs> but it, it was a, it's been a long road. I mean, I've been doing this for about 10 years now, and I'm just interested to see what the next 10 years, 10 years brings, I guess. Yeah. What was your goal when you sort of first started? I mean, obviously you did the acting, but when did you start mm. sort of visualizing yourself as a director and the goal with that? Um, I start pretty much like within the first two weeks. I, I remember we did one course where we got given a script and then two actors came in and they sat down and a, like what the directing lecturer kind of came in and just seeing how, you know, he would give them direction and then it would completely change the feel of a scene. And even though, you know, before I was so enamored with wanting to be the one like that would make the acting choices to make it, but then seeing how he could dictate and change and then how the actors were responding, I was like, wow. And then obviously that then being translated onto the screen and getting edited and then how then that again changes and how you can manipulate things and control things. I was like, this is, is crazy. I've always really liked telling stories and I felt like this was the ultimate form of, of being able to do that. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> and where did the short film marathon idea come from? Well, so Shambleton, uh, which is the, the title for the short film marathon. And that started because um, I'd written a, a feature film the year prior and we were trying to make it cheap. We were like, okay, we're going to set a target. We're going to try and get it done for like 30, 40 grand. We'll work really hard. So I, I, I was there typing away, writing, writing, writing. And then I sent it to the actors that we wanted to cast and then they came back and they were like, 
we don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. And it was, it was, it was really disheartening and it was like, oh, okay, great. Um, and then, you know, we had other films, other projects that I'd written that we were trying to get up, but you know, they required a bit more money and it just, it, it was quite difficult. It's very difficult to get a movie made, um, in Australia, especially when you're first starting out. So we kind of just came out of the necessity to create. We were like, do you know what? Me and my business partner, Michael, who is the star of the show, like this really only works because the two of us committed the time to just be like, okay, you're going to be in front of the camera. I'm going to be behind the camera. We'll do all the post-production together and we're just going to set, set ourselves this challenge and we're just going to get it done. Um, and so that's, that's where Shambleton was born. When that film died, Shambleton rose from the ashes and you know, we, just, we just set a goal. We set a target. And we were like, all right, we're just going to, we're going to try and do as much as we can. Um, and see how much we learn and how it evolves. And yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> it's insane to think that you guys did one a week. Like, okay, so tell me, how did that work? Because I think a lot of filmmakers are like, oh, okay, maybe we can do one a month, but one a week. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that. Were they, were they all like 30 second clips or like five minutes? How did you go about yeah. shooting it? Yeah, so the episodes the episodes are anywhere between five and a half minutes to like twelve minutes long. Wow! Um, when we first started, we were just like we were like we're going to improv. So season one, what we call the first ten episodes, um, we kind of like shot the first three episodes before we released them, so that we had them banked. So then that way we weren't like always trying to play catch up, even though it eventually led to that <laughs> as time kind of took, took a hold. Cause at the same time that we're doing this, we have our jobs where we're yeah. you know, making money. So it was, it was trying to balance it, but it was, it was literally just like one light. Um, I would plug myself in with my sound recorder with, with, um, lapel microphone. So no boom. Um, and then I'd operate the camera and then we would just improv. We would improv the show. So we'd be like, okay, so we know that, um, Kimmy, the character, is is here, and um, we're introducing this other character called Tammy, and she's just going to destroy his life, essentially. So we need a scene that represents that. And so then the actors would riff, and then we'd be like, great, that's awesome, and then we'd shoot that, um, and I'd just get really basic coverage, uh, and then that's that's we kind of built from there, and then slowly as we kept going, we were like, oh, do you know what, maybe we can build a bit of a storyline here. So then we started writing some scripts, a bit mm. like um, Curve Your Enthusiasm, where yeah. like none of the dialogue was written, but it was just like the actions of like, all right, Kimmy, we start the scene with Kimmy being um, at home and then this character comes in and disrupts him. It's always about Kimmy getting disrupted. The, the, the beautiful <laughs> thing about the show is that it's just like, how can we torture this character? <laughs> I love that. How did you go about sort of, I mean, obviously improv is already a big challenge. So how did you go about yes. working with the actors on that improv was there a lot of going back and forth or did you sort of go with the first few takes and then keep moving on and sort of build on that? It was, it was kind of like, I think the process was very like old school film where like we wouldn't really be rolling cameras. Even though we were shooting digital, we shot the whole show on a Blackmagic Pocket 4K. Um, even though we was, you know, we had like endless hard drives that we could just roll and roll and roll on. Well, the way we'd kind of do it would be like, well, this is the scene we want. And then we'd let them play for a little bit and then we'd, we'd do all our tweaks. So then that way when we started getting the cameras rolling, it was like one or two takes. It was very mm. rare for us actually to go above like three or four takes because we're also trying to, trying to shoot really quickly. Um, and I guess the structure of the show was literally like we'd shoot it in one day. Like whatever the episode was, we have to try and get it done in the, in the one day. And then we'd give ourselves one day to edit everything 
and then one day to sound design and then that's it like and then it goes out you know it's it was kind of like a done not perfect yeah um, did you do most of the posts as well or did you have a, a team collaborating with you no i did i did most of the posts as well so it was so michael who was kimmy in the show he would do the sound design um and then i do the editing and it, it kind of helped like being there directing them and shooting it I kind of going into the edit, I was like, well, I remember this take here was really great. Mm. And I remember this take here was really cool. Um, and I know that I got this special shot for this particular moment. So once those decisions were made, then it was just about filling in the gaps in between that um, yeah. to fill out the episode. Um, and that, that taught me a lot in terms of narrative editing, shooting, coverage, you know, like even though we started making Shambleton when I was like, I'd already had nine years of experience making music videos, short films, commercials, brand movies, documentaries, all the, you know, once you're in there trying to make improv narrative work, you know, and trying to tell like, make it like a movie, you learn so much again. And it's like, you know, it just kind of highlights the fact that you, we're, we're always students in this industry. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, yeah. You we'll, get... we'll always be learning. You get better every time, that's for sure. With the, with the editing of the improv, were there many sort of like cut issues where maybe the dialogue wasn't matching up and things like that? <laughs> there was, there was a, there You're was like, a couple. You're like, that was the story of my life. <laughs> uh, there, was definitely a couple, there was definitely a couple instances where it just, I was like, oh man, what have we done? <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. And we just had to like cut around certain moments but majority of the time it like I'm very lucky that I'm really good friends with a lot of really great actors and so once they kind of had locked in the improv they would they were really good at just coming back and doing something similar the hardest part to be honest was trying to pick which joke to, to keep in and which one to which one ended up on the, on the floor you know it's like there were wow. so many moments where it, you're just losing it laughing it's so funny but it's like you can only pick the one yeah <laughs> yeah so after it all was finished and you had your 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 20 episodes mm. why stop at 20 did the story end did you have a better opportunity come up what happened yeah so it's 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 just it started getting a little difficult we set the challenge we were like we're going to do it for a year and then we'll see, we'll reassess at the end of that year and see what comes from it um, and then nearing the end of the year due to making so much narrative content i got approached by an old an old friend of mine uh cow who had just he had been contacted by um, House Party, um, uh, Christopher Elder there, to go and make an Ed Sheeran music video. And because of all this narrative experience and so much narrative cutting, and they were making uh, three narratives in one four-minute music video, they were like, I think you're the guy for the job to come in and edit this, which was awesome, an awesome, awesome opportunity to, to be on that set. Um, yeah. And then to even throw an extra spanner in the works, they wanted me to edit it live because the turnaround time of it was so quick. So I was there on set um, changing things around as they were happening, like cutting things around as they were happening. So um, that, that was, that was wild. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, so walk me through, cause I think it's probably like one mm. of, I'm sure it's a filmmaker dream to work on like a celebrity music video. So what was it like? You yeah. get the phone call, you get, you get the offer. What what'd you feel in that moment? Uh, it was it was just like because I've made quite a few music videos to start and I hadn't made a music video in so long. So when he was talking to me about it before giving me the offer, I was like, surely he's just telling me <laughs> that he's you know doing this. There's, there's no offer coming. And then he was like, oh no, we want you to edit it. And I was like, wow. Um, I remember just putting down the phone. I was at my friend's house and I was like. I think I'm going to be editing an Ed Sheeran music video. And they were like, oh my God. <laughs> it was, you know, we had a little, 
We had a little celebration, but then after that, you know, you kind of switch into work mode and you're like, okay, great. What does this entail? Uh, what, what preparation do I need to have to make sure that, you know, I don't get caught with my pants down on set. There's nothing worse than, you know, going underprepared to a big job and then things start going wrong and you don't have solutions. So, um, it kind of kickstarted a, the, the trajectory of work. It was just like, all right, let's, let's knuckle down. Let's get this, let's get this right, you know, cause I, yeah. I really didn't have much time to, to get it. From the moment I got the job to the moment of being on set, I think it was like just over two weeks. So what did you do in the lead up to the job? Uh, so in the lead up, I had um, meetings with the director and the DP. And so they, would, they gave me the, the shot list and the story. And they were like, okay, does, do you think that everything is going to cut? And the director was really, Chris was really like adamant. He wanted the verses to have their own section with the story because there's three narratives and pretty much every 16 seconds we were cutting to a different story and mm. some of them were filled out with a lot more shots than others so within 16 seconds there was one particular section that had like 12 shots so even if you just break it down numerically you're like well 12 shots 15 seconds we're kind of sitting on a shot like a second and a half yeah <laughs> if we if we're just putting them all evenly so from there, once I got the shot list and we kind of agreed on how things were going to flow, um, I went and made like a previs using shot deck. Mm. So I got just a, he- a heap of stills and I just placed them in in what I thought would be the, the accurate timings. Um, and then I sent that off to the director and the DP and the producers. And then I just get feedback and they were like, okay, uh, we think we're probably going to need a little bit longer here. I see this being a little bit shorter here. And so then by the end, we had like a previous idea of what the video would be like. Um, and everything was numbered. Yeah. So then when we were on set shooting that shot, I knew roughly where in the timeline it would fit. Um, and then that made it a lot easier. So that was the, that was the prep for that. That's crazy. Was the shot deck idea something that you came up with or was that something that they asked you to do? Uh, no, that was something, that was something they, they wanted done. They wanted like a, um, uh, like a storyboard like edit. Um, mm. And I was like, oh, I'm, t- I'm a terrible drawer. <laughs> I was like, I, uh, I like I'm, those stick figures. Horrible. Ed Sheeran is going to love <laughs> yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I am terrible. So I was, I, I then, they, I knew they, they wanted that. So then I just, I was like, I'll use shot deck to make it. Yeah. So then that way it can, it can visually at least represent a bit better because you know, stick figures of a close-up that I draw, people are just going to be like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> How'd you find this guy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's crazy. Okay, so now we're the, the, prepare, like the, the pre-production is sort of done. You're on the set. Mm. What happened then? So how yeah. often did you get the footage to then jump straight into the edit? Straight away. So I had my own separate video split. Um, this is I. This process, I thank Callum, the Callum Riddell, the director of photography. He came up with it, um, and he was like, "I think this is going to work." We'd never, neither of us had ever done this before, so it was a bit of a let's shoot it and try. Um, but we had an external Blackmagic recorder that we record into hard drives, and so I would record whatever the camera was recording, and then I'd have like alternating hard drives that I'd just swap. So then I would immediately get the take while they would then change setup and then I'd put that into the timeline. Um, and because of the Blackmagic recorder, I'd get all the information. So I'd get like the clip name, the time codes, wow. everything. So then when I received the offlines at the end of the day, I could just, just swap relink out. it. Yeah. 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 And well, then t- until eventually, until we got into the onlining. Why don't we do that on every short film, on every feature? 
To be honest, in my head, I was like, this is a game changer because we were able to, you know, and I was just editing in front of everyone. Like I didn't have like my own little video village. I was just amongst the crew. So people could come in and watch the edit as it was happening. You know, we just shot like a, a sequence and they could come in and see it like straight away. Um, and it would help with like art department, for example, they were like, there were a couple of times there where they were like, oh, we need continuity. Like where were the rings in the hand? And then I'd go to the take that we were using and we would be like, oh, the rings are here, here and here. Or they'd be like, oh, wh what shoes were they wearing? It's like, oh, we, we're not seeing the shoes. So it doesn't really matter. Um, and then same with just like little things where it was like, oh, we have two seconds. So we need to get the facial expression of the emotion. We've got to get it in that time. Like, because mm. we don't really have, because then we're moving on to the next storyline. Um, and so that, that really helped as well. You know, when Chris would come in and he'd be like, okay, we're doing this shot next. How much time do we have? I'd be like, I'd even be a specific. I'd be like, oh, we've got three seconds and 14 frames. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Cause it's a whole different ball game when you're working with a very strict, I mean, obviously the song time is sort of your, your baseline, um, I mean, totally. Rihanna and whatever, they always add like a pre sort of, you could do almost a short film before the song starts. So I guess you are a bit flexible there, but I would, I would imagine that there was a strict, this is going to be four minutes, 37. Um, so we need to fit everything within that. Was that more like what your experience was? Pretty much. We, I knew that we had, we had um, 15 seconds, up to 15 seconds at the start before the, before the song started. So just to like establish the video, which, you know, um, I recorded the sound for that as well. <laughs> um, oh, I was cool. just there. I had five. I had five minutes in between to just get my little boom mic out and get like a bike riding, a newspaper falling down, and stuff like that. Um, I knew that we had that kind of time frame. And then when the song ends, um, there was it just had like a really long tail. I think it had like nine seconds of like almost silence as the song faded out. Um, so we knew that we had that kind of space to then fill it up and round out the song, um, which is great uh, you know we did we made three short films essentially um or three storylines in this one video which is very packed very very packed <laughs> yeah so what was it like working with ed did you get to talk to him much or what was just sort of like the onset no, experience it, so he wasn't on set um and i didn't being the editor i didn't get to chat to him at all but Aww. he did repost the video he did repost the video on on his instagram and he's promoting it um, and out of all the videos, because 14 music videos got released over the last two weeks for that whole album, um, our particular video is second in terms of views. I think we're up to like 340,000 views at the moment, and it got mm. released like 10 days ago, which is great. Um, and I also make a little cameo in the in the in the video as well. I don't know if you. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm, there, I'm there smashing lamingtons as part of the eating competition. <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna have to look look for that one. So which which song was yeah. it? You'll have to. Uh, it was amazing. It's oh. a, the song is called Amazing by Sheeran. Yeah. That's so cool. Guys, listeners, check it out. Watch <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Take a screenshot, tag Rodrigo. I think totally. I'm going to be doing that it's, later. <laughs> just my face just covered. It was so funny because we were on set um, and I was editing I was still I still had my editing duties as well as being the extra in the eating competition so they covered my face in chocolate and like coconut you know and because of continuity they were like don't wipe your face so, oh my god you know, so you're editing <laughs> yeah, with a face just full of chocolate for like at least an hour I was just there like you know we'd finish a take I'd grab the hard drive I'd go put it in as they were changing the setup for the next shot and then they'd call me over they'd be like hey back on set now we're ready to shoot 
I'd run back. You know, My it was it's just so silly. The fo- the photos, the the onset photos from that day are hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. So, what happened after the 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 music video came out and sort of all that all that happened? Did you get more opportunities from that music video after it all finished? What? Um, I, I mean, it's, it's only been out for, for 10 days. I, I did get a, um, I got, I got a call from the Sydney Morning Herald. They wanted to talk about the experience, which was nice and cool. Um, and at the moment I'm building, I'm trying to use the, that experience of onset editing and I'm trying to create like a, a list of like, where would it w- work and where would it not? Um, so that then I can try and promote that as a service as well. Cause it was, it was incredibly helpful and very interesting. And also usually with editing, you know, you're in a dark room mm. with either yourself and the, the, to the, um, the director or the producer, or sometimes not even, you know, they're not even there. You're just kind of editing by yourself. Um, so being able to like be on set and gauge everyone's reactions live. So like cutting it live and they're all coming in and seeing it. And then sometimes you can be like, Oh, do you know what that edit it? that edit felt a bit weird now that they've seen it. And then you can make the change then and there, which then affects what's coming next. And um, I thought it was fantastic. And I, I really do see it working mm. for like anything with a, with a structured shot list in terms of timing. So like music videos, commercials, m- short films, features, TV shows. Uh, I do really think that it, it would work. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think that's such a genius idea. I mean, when you think about just how long something takes to edit, especially a short film or feature film, mm. that can take up to a year, you know? I mean, even just, I was telling you earlier, my, my short film took months to edit and we only just picture locked it literally last week and you have a similar experience. So go on, Rodrigo, uh, yeah. tell us about that I one. Do. <laughs> I do. So, so prior, prior to making Shambleton, I had been sitting on this short film for like almost four years and I'd just keep going back to it and I'd keep tinkering and it was only 12 minutes long. I've made mm. Shambleton episodes longer than this particular film and it just took a long time and I, I'm thankful for the time that it took because I feel like I learned a lot in that time but also I was like never again I can't take four years four years for 12 minutes just economically just does not really work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why 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 did it was why did it take so long I mean um like were you overthinking some of the shots I mean it happens look you're not the only filmmaker totally. and you're not going to be the last but what was your no. reason for it <laughs> Well, so, so we made the movie right when the bushfires were happening in like 2019 mm. and then, or end of 2018 into 2019. And then the goal was to try and get it finished for the end of 2019. I was like, oh, I'll have a year. And then COVID mm. happened. And then that really just disheartened, you know, because I wanted to attend festivals. I didn't want to do the virtual stuff. So yeah. I was like, ah, oh. so I just kind of like shelved it. And then I'd pick it up every three months and I'd go and I'd, I'd tinker with it and I'd be like, oh, you know what? This works better now if I remove this. And, you know, it probably suffered from over-editing, to be honest. Um, mm. But, yeah, and then by, by the time COVID had all, like, been up and, like, had been done and things were picking back up, I was like, oh, I just, I kind of felt like I had this monkey on my shoulder and I was like, I got I to gotta finish it. I can't, I can't just let this sit with me forever. And I'm really glad that I did, that, we just, that I got it done. Um, cause I know that, you know, having projects unfinished is it's, it just creates like a weird anxiety, I think, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> but also festivals are weird where like, um, 
I think most of them don't accept anything older than a year or two. So sometimes you're actually yeah. strategically better off waiting to finish it. So then you just sort of like wait until, you know, the virtual yeah. things turned into physical attendances again. And I know for a while I didn't want to do anything over COVID because I was like, what's the point? Like, even if you get into Sundance, I'm not going to do a Zoom. Like, no. Exactly. Yeah, literally. It's like, oh. It's like, a, finally, you get an opportunity to, like, go somewhere cool, and then it's like, oh, it's, I'm going to just be in my room. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that's crazy. So do you still do a lot of acting, or is that something that you've sort of shelved for now? No, nah, I, just, I just do it. I just cameo, just occasionally. I got, I, very randomly, I was in a Liquorland commercial uh, and made their print. That's because friends of mine who are actors... They were, they were doing a group audition and they were like, hey, join us. And I was like, oh, whatever. This, this is, you know, <laughs> half an hour, this will be fun. And then I, I ended up booking it and I was like, oh, crazy. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, there you go. Acting's not really, yeah, it's not something really that I want to pursue. I want to try and really um, narrow on the writing and directing and, and continue editing and, you know, just being behind the camera and creating stories. That's really the, the goal and that's really mm. where I see myself. Yeah, that's great. What were some of the biggest learnings that you had out of making, making Shambled and, and sort of like just mm. constantly being on set, making more short films? What were, what's like the, some of the juicy bits that you'll take to your next film? Oh, um, uh, montage. <laughs> the, use, the use of montage is something, it's crazy. Um, also, Edgar Wright had, had this quote, I think it's Edgar Wright, but it was like, come in late to the scene and leave early. So mm. that, that's something that we really kind of like tried to hone in, in Shambleton was like, okay, how can we just come into the scene in a way that's like fun straight away? And how can we deliver all the information that we need and all the plot and the character in a really entertaining way and then just get out so that that way we can keep it moving? Um, so with one of the older films that I made, you know, I had a dialogue scene that goes for like six minutes. And it's like, mm. it didn't have to be six minutes, <laughs> you know, it could have really been cut down. And, um, that's, that's really the, the biggest thing I learned was, was like, how can we maximize like efficiency so that we can keep going to, to, you know, maintain engagement. Cause now as filmmakers, mm. even though it's a different medium, we are still competing with like TikTok and Instagram, and, you know, those, the short form yeah. content that just moves so, so fast. So it's like, how can movies, I guess, take from that? and then apply it to our art medium and our form and then see how that can help evolve um, film in some way. So that's, that's a big yeah. thing. And then coverage, just, just making sure that you get like multiple angles of certain things just so that you give yourself opportunities, um, you know, like not just getting like, a, a cl like just a normal close-up, getting a close-up in a different angle that mm. dictates for a different meaning. Um, and then getting like some ECUs, getting hand movements, you know, like yeah. anything, anything that can help um, speed up the edit as well and make the cut a bit pacier. Um, and then I yeah, find and that's also just a having fun one. with it. I think I really want to, the biggest thing was creating an environment for the actors to be able to feel comfortable to play. Like, cause, cause the show is not perfect in any, in any way, shape or form. It was like, there's no wrong or right. Just shoot it, try, you know, and at the end of the day, we'll probably end up using it because we're just we're here to have a good time and just try and make something. That's right. I find that the the biggest thing I think when I was first getting started directing is like the lack of coverage is the biggest killer in the edit because 
obviously yeah. on set you're like so pressured with time you've got an ad yelling at you and and the lighting team's like we still need 20 minutes to set up and so that really does add up and then you sort of walk away with oh crap we didn't get enough and then sometimes in the edit you have to use like the longer takes and it might be slower and it may feel a little like sort of like slower as a whole thing so then you might lose attention spans and whatever uh you mentioned totally. the TikTok, the, the TikTok stuff. Obviously, yeah, filmmakers need to also compete with everything that's grabbing attention, which is literally just crazy, crazy things. So <laughs> I feel like these days, I don't know about you, but if it feels like film needs to have more cuts in order to sort of keep the attention going, it's just like something that yeah. almost needs to be a consideration now. Have you been finding that yourself too? Totally, totally. Especially I'm, I'm editing this TikTok series at the moment and, you know, pretty much every time someone is talking, we're cutting and the dialogue is, is quite quick. So it's always like bang, bang. Like, you, you know, I, I remember when I was in film school, they were like, you know, uh, don't always cut when someone's talking because then it just feels like, but mm. with this kind of, with this kind of editing, with this kind of show, it was like, no, it was like literally as soon as they open their mouth, it's like, we're on them and then we're, on, and then we're here and then we're there and then we're back. And it's like, bang, 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 trying to just, just so that we can keep the attention span. And I guess audiences have gotten a lot smarter as well with film. You know, a lot, the, the general audience understands film language, even if they haven't studied it, just subconsciously through watching so many. So yeah. it's like trying to, trying to obviously cater to that as well and be like, well, the audience isn't as dumb as what they used to be, you know, like yeah. the audience is actually crazy smart now. So we got to we got to cater to that intelligence and make sure that they understand. So, yeah, it's it's it is it is interesting and then it's changing. And I'm just interested to see how how it's going to keep evolving and how obviously we'll be a part of that. Yeah, definitely. So with like your own filmmaking opportunities now, um, mm. you're you're working on a TikTok series now. Was there other mm -hmm. opportunities that came from all of the short films that you've made and sort of the culmination of everything you've done in your career, which wouldn't have been possible yeah. if you hadn't taken the leap and in, in making these cool things. Totally, totally. I mean, I've, I've got a, I wrote, I, I wrote a feature, I wrote a couple feature scripts during COVID um, and I shelved those as well for a little bit, but I've resurfaced them and one of them in particular, Dinner at Seven, um, it's gone on to win like best script, uh, best um, feature screenplay at the Byron Bay International Film Festival. Uh, and it's won a couple more awards in France. Um, and now it's with a producer um, and we're looking at potentially getting that made. And he's made some movies in America. So um, we're hoping to see if we can finally get that elusive first feature film made. Um, yeah. And if not, we're, we're going to just continue creating our own our own opportunities in the sense of, um, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with Shambleton. Maybe we make Shambleton the movie. Or, yes. <laughs> or maybe we, we shell Shambleton and we, we try and make an independent thing. So, because with Shambleton, with making the 20, 25 episodes total, uh, we've got about two hours and 40 minutes worth of content that's out there. So, mm. that's like a long feature film. So, if we were to just apply that energy and that same skill set to trying to make a, a, a feature film and just make it an hour and 40 minutes, you know, we could, um, we could do that. Where do you see sort of the opportunities with film? Is it YouTube? Is it TikTok? Is it creating YouTube shorts? Like wh where do you sort of see like the next echelon of filmmaking opportunities? I, I definitely think that YouTube is a great platform for filmmakers. I think that there is, 
the film is so secret, I think. You know, yeah. obviously you don't want to reveal the story before... And, and I feel like a lot of people keep their cards close to their chest. They don't want to reveal the secret source that they have, even though the secret source is literally just, just keep doing it. <laughs> but the, the more experience you have, the more you'll learn, the better you'll get at it, um, yeah. I find, with filmmaking. Um, but um, I definitely think that YouTube could be one of those platforms where marketing, using it to market your film in the sense that if you were to create like a – you know, someone like a vlog essentially of like the process of you making it as you're making it. So it's, it's somewhat live, then you can kind of help build an audience and follow you along in the process of creating the film, obviously without giving too much of the plot. You know, if you're making a whodunit, you don't want to reveal who's done it in the <laughs> first episode of your YouTube series. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that, I think that YouTube um, can, can kind of be a platform for, just really for marketing, um, more so. I, I don't. I can't imagine movies being on on YouTube. You know, streaming is just too big. Um, with like you know, Stan, Netflix, all those guys. That's yeah. pretty much just like YouTube for movies. Um, mm. But I think that YouTube and TikTok and like Instagram Shorts and just using those platforms to like open yourself up to the world as a filmmaker and letting people into the process a little bit so that if they don't feel so detached and then you know if they know if they get to meet you personally and build a relationship with you personally I guess they'll follow your journey and then mm. when the movie comes out you know they'll want to watch it because they've seen the videos yeah. of you you know crying at 3am because you don't know what the hell you're doing <laughs> <laughs> I do love that you know? it's it's bringing them along for the ride I, I think that's so it's, important yeah, you're building a sense of community around your filmmaking as well. So that's that's always very handy too. So Rodrigo, if you had to give a young filmmaker advice, I mean, obviously now mm. you're 10 years into it. What what do you wish you knew uh, back then when you were getting started? Uh, I all I would say the biggest thing would be uh, be present when you're making a film. Like if there is any time, if something doesn't feel right, don't not say anything like be in the moment and try and make it then and there and change and don't be chained to your script or your ideas. Um, mm. Definitely. It's a collaborative industry. Everyone is, a, everyone on that set is a filmmaker and yeah. anyone can throw the idea that could just make it that little bit better. And so I'd say really like be open to collaborating and just be present. Um, Cause that's when I feel like that's when you have the best time on set. Um, and then that yeah. way you don't get into the edit and you go, damn it, I should have said something. <laughs> exactly you, you don't want to have no regrets <laughs> exactly i mean it's hard enough making a movie so like being able to at least just have fun with the process and then get to the other side and know and be proud of the work that you've made um and then definitely just finishing that would be another piece of advice just whatever you start finish it because then that way at least you have the experience of going from start to end and then next time if you've just got like you know let's say you've got 10 product um show uh, films that are half finished yeah you never kind of you never know what it's like to finish one so then when mm. you finally make something that you like and then you have to get to that end part you're still inexperienced in that so i definitely say see, see your projects all the way through no matter how terrible you think they are just <laughs> i love just that see advice. Them, see them all the way. <laughs> i love that rodrigo where can people find you and what have you got coming up next mm -hmm. Um, so you can find me on Instagram with, at, at Rodrigo Baduino, nice and easy. Um, you can find us on YouTube, just at Shambleton. 
and you can watch the 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 25 episodes we shot episodes in taiwan and france and and stuff that's as amazing well. so you can you can watch all that all that craziness unfold there um or you could also if you want to look at like some of the pitch decks for the movies we have um at lecheproductions.com which is um i'll put all uh, the links the, the down there <laughs> thank you and what do, I, what do i have coming up next i think um i've got a movie that i'm writing at the moment um just another spec you know i i try and write at least one spec every year just to keep the the writing juices going nice um, so i'm doing that and then working with this producer to try and hopefully get this movie made and um, I don't know, maybe more commercials, more music videos. We'll see what the new year brings, really. Um, I'm just, yeah. uh, I'm just exci- excited to kind of let the year end now. It's, <laughs> it's been crazy. Yeah, well, we don't know when this, uh, when, when this episode will go out, but do you have a New Year's resolution that you want to stay true to, keep close to your heart? Mm. Yeah, I want to, I wanna, my New Year's resolution is to maintain the community that we've built. I don't want to let the community of, of, of filmmakers and actors, I don't want that to fizzle out. I want to I wanna keep that community going and I, I want to see us all grow together. Um, so that would be my New Year's resolution. Hell yeah. And Well, we look forward to joining your community and, and having you be totally. part of ours. <laughs> You're totally. part of the family now. You're part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Rod, it's been, it's been awesome talking to you. I love it. Uh, you've done such an amazing job with the music videos, working with Ed Sheeran. So thanks so much for sharing your journey with us. Um, and for your listeners out there, go and finish your movie. Whatever you start, make sure to finish it. Thanks again, finish Rod. It. And uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. 